Hello and welcome to the Esports Minute presented by the Esports Network. I'm Mitch Rames. This is a break from our normal 90-second minute format to bring you a feature story where we go in-depth on a different issue or topic surrounding the esports industry. Today's topic is one of my favorites. It is traditional sports athletes who have invested in esports. And this is one of my favorite topics because there are so many. And as somebody who came from a sports broadcasting world and transitioned over to esports, and maybe we can do my life story. I don't think people care about that, but maybe we'll do what my life story in a future podcast. Uh, but as somebody who came from the traditional sports world and saw some of these rumblings happening and some of the, the people, the very first investors coming from traditional sports over to esports, that's what inspired me to jump into the esports industry full force. I was already a gamer, way, way too much of a gamer. Um, but th- that money coming over and the bridge being built between traditional sports and esports was a was a key catalyst in me really committing to the esports industry. Now here we are. Uh, so we're breaking out. We're breaking down this issue for you. We're going to talk about all the biggest names who have invested. And unfortunately, I, of course, had to leave some names off because there are just so many. Um, if you want just a, a spreadsheet of all of them, and I'll link that in the article that's attached to this podcast. There's a spreadsheet made by Paul Redeye uh, Shaloner, who is an esports commentator, one of the OGs in esports. And he just listed like 200 uh athletes, sports teams, sports owners that have invested in esports over the years. And that's the best single resource out there. Obviously, it doesn't give you a ton of information on the investment, what the company does, uh, but it's just your your numbered name dump of all the different traditional sports crossovers into esports. I'm not sure how updated it is, though, because we keep getting these a lot, uh, especially in the last couple of years. Uh, the last couple of years, the esports industry has undergone a renaissance. They have received just so much money. There's been a couple periods of growth in esports history before this, but these last two to three years really stands out as the mainstreaming of esports in a lot of ways. Tons and tons of money is entering the industry. You've got games being broadcast on ESPN now. Uh, valuations are skyrocketing. News News projected the esports industry's revenues will top one billion in 2019 for the first time ever. So that's always that's always cool cool to hear. Um, but a lot of that money's coming through investments, and we're going to break down the biggest ones for you right now. So here is the list of some my personal curated list. They come in no order or anything, um, but here are some of the most notable traditional sports athletes. Have invested in these sports. So to start, we have to start with the guy who really was a pioneer for a lot of traditional sports athletes, and that's Rick Fox. He was a Los Angeles Laker for, uh, I think, 11 years. Uh, he became an actor for a while, and then he became an esports organization owner. And it's really an awesome case study of what can happen when a traditional sports player joins esports. He 
was before I think this this last rise, this uh, meteoric exponential rise I'm talking about, it started mostly in 2016, but he was in December of 2015. So really was one of the first athletes to buy into esports in a big way. And what he did was he bought the LCS spot, the League Championship Series, which is the North American section of competitive League of Legends. He bought the spot of Gravity Gaming, which I don't think exists anymore, for $1 million. So just to give an example of how evaluations have changed, the Philadelphia 76ers owner just bought, I'm talking early April, uh, just bought a majority stake in the Houston Rockets Clutch Gaming, which they just entered last year. And they bought that at a price that would put the Rockets, because all Clutch has is a spot in the LCS, which makes it a lot easier to figure out just how much an LCS spot costs. And... They bought a majority stake for $20 million, and it would have made the evaluation of that clutch gaming spot $30 million. So in four years, the price of an LCS spot has gone from $1 million to $30. So that's, and that, it's not even the most expensive franchised esports league. That would be the Overwatch League, and we will touch on that a little bit later. Um, but basically, Fox was one of the originals, and now he's become an ambassador for esports. He talked at the International Olympic Committee forum when they were considering adding esports into the Olympics. He wasn't able to actually get them to to put them in, but that's because the Olympics are sort of very old school, um, very, very old school. Um, But Fox was up there. He's the guy people turn to. If you're an athlete, why should I be invested in esports? I think Rick Fox's explanations on that front are, are better than just about anybody else because he was one of the first to do it. He didn't really have a ton of trendsetters, pioneers leading the way for him. So as the owner of Echo Fox, he's built the organization the fourth most valuable esports organization in the world. That's according to a Forbes article they do annually. It's currently valued at $150 million. Uh, the crown jewel is that uh, league championship series, that LCS spot. Just one of 10 teams who has one, and a ton of those are tied to NBA franchises and owners and players, and we'll be covering that later. But that's the crown jewel. But really what sets Echo Fox apart is that they are, I, I think it's fair to say, the most successful fighting game organization right now. They have dominant players in every major fighting game. So that's games like Street Fighter, Tekken, uh, Super Smash Bros. Those those are your uh, Dragon Ball Dragon Ball Z. And their main one is Sonic Fox, which name not related to Echo Fox, surprisingly. Um, he's the most dominant esports player, uh, single esports player in the world because fighting games are all one-on-one. He's he's like your Aldi. He's your, he's holds the crown in multiple weight classes that's different games in in the fighting game but anyways they the fighting their fighting game roster is just star studded and right now fighting games are really hot there's new ones coming out the scene is going undergoing a mainstreaming fighting games have been around since the 80s they're one of the first esports to ever be there but recently they've really experienced a resurgence in popularity and echo fox has positioned itself as an organization that can just dominate that space for years to come. 
But that's not Fox's only esports initiative. He has doubled down and he has brought other athletes into his esports companies. And he does that through a company called Vision Venture Partners, VVP. And they're an esports gaming exclusive investment firm. So they only do investments in esports and gaming companies. VVP brought on Odell Beckham and Kevin Durant as investors. So obviously very, very different superstars. Uh, One small forward for the Golden State Warriors, the other an outspoken wide receiver, now for the Cleveland Browns, formerly for the New York Giants. And they both joined in Vision Venture Partners, and they joined with the St. Louis Cardinals in a $38 million uh, investment round to VVP. So that's three really different sports entities coming together in the exact same investment round. Durant, NBA MVP, pretty soft-spoken, but has has been more vocal lately. Odell Beckham, sort of a brash wide receiver. Uh, And the St. Louis Cardinals, just a a rock-steady legacy MLB franchise. So really taking three different parts of the traditional sports world and just all and injecting all that capital into VVP and Division Venture Partners. And I think that's a testament to Rick Fox's ability to talk to an athlete and explain to them what the opportunity is in esports and why they should be part of it. Cuz that's a you, as an athlete himself, he knows what they want to hear, and now that he knows so much about the esports industry, he can really combine those two factors and sell esports to to the traditional sports athlete or team. And for Durant, it probably wasn't super difficult because he has invested in everything. Everything. He's, as part of the Durant company, uh, he has investments there was an article in may of 2018 uh, said that his early stage investments ranging from 250,000 to 1 million in about 30 companies so that was in may of 2018 uh, after the vvp entrance but yeah he has invested a lot of money into a lot of different companies and that's you know that's that's the model sort of set by previous NBA superstars, uh, guys who we will talk about in a second. But that is now the model for, you know, those top five guys in the in the NBA at one time. You have two careers. You have your NBA career, your on-court career, and then you have your business empire. You build after that. And that model was, really came from two guys. Magic Johnson was first who just recently stepped down as president of the Lakers, and Michael Jordan, who is still a co-owner of the Charlotte Hornets. And those two guys are also connected through Axiomatic. Axiomatic is the parent company of Team Liquid. And Johnson was one of the first, and back in 2016, he became a co-owner of Axiomatic, put some money in it, and he brought Michael Jordan who invested in 2018. And those two guys have just really, they're the two billionaires in the former NBA, they're the only two guys in the former NBA player turned billionaire club. Pretty exclusive, long-winded title there. 
but they're both invested in Axiomatic. And as you might expect from two people who have uh, giant egos and <laughs> desire to be the absolute best, Axiomatic the parent, is the parent company of Team Liquid, and Liquid is the most valuable esports organization in the world. They are valued at $300 million, I believe, something like that, $350, uh, according to that Forbes article. That's a lot. That, that's a whole lot. They compete in just about every single major esport, which is unique uh, among esports organizations. There's just so many esports out there, you usually have to pick and choose. But Team Liquid has so much capital and has experienced so much success that they have invested in everything. And they're successful in most things too. They've won Dota 2's The International, which is the most the most expansive esports prize pool for any one tournament. That is until the Fortnite World Cup happens this July. But they took home $20 million for that win. They have... Year over year, probably the most talented LCS team, uh, led by Doublelift, who is probably the best-known North American League of Legends player. And Axiomatic has a ton of old sports money behind it. Obviously, Jordan and Magic don't need a ton of help, but Axiomatic's investment board is just sort of a who's who of old sports money. They have Golden State Warriors co-owner Peter Goober, Washington Capitals owner Ted Leonsis, Tampa Bay Lightning owner Jeff Vinnick. Just, there's so many. And if there's if you think there's a lot of athletes invested in esports, the uh, traditional sports owners are all over esports. And they have for a while. They have been for a while. The Overwatch League has four or five teams owned by traditional sports owners, just outright. Like Stan Kroenke, Robert Kraft, uh, that's the Los Angeles Rams, and Arsenal, and the Nuggets for Kroenke. Robert Kraft is the New England Patriots. Jeff Wilpon is the brother of the owner of the New York Mets. Um, the Dodgers owner, Frank McCourt, Frank McCourt owns a team. It's... Uh, it's expansive. Like this is the old sports money has entered esports and really invigorated esports in a big way. But they aren't as interesting as the athletes. So that's why we talk about the athletes. And speaking of athletes, you have esports organizations that have gone out of their way, I would say, to just target traditional sports athletes as investors because it's good press. I mean, I'm talking about them right now. But it's also because esports organizations want, they've got these young kids who are now thrust in the public spotlight. So if you have a guy like, oh, say Shaquille O'Neal, who can talk to them about that, you that's an immediate boon to your esports organization because now you have a guy who's dealt with that and can explain what it's like to be under pressure and to have media attention on you. And I use Shaq because he's invested in esports. He invested in NRG Esports, who are one of those companies that just really hammered down the traditional sports connections. They have money from Shaquille O'Neal, Alex Rodriguez, Marshawn Lynch, Michael Strahan, Ryan Howard, and Jimmy Rollins. So that is, oh, let's see, 
A-Rod's not a Hall of Famer yet. Shaq's a Hall of Famer. Marshawn Lynch will be. Michael Strahan's a Hall of Famer. Ryan Howard might be, and I don't think Jimmy Rollins will be. But that's a lot of, you know, a lot of all-star appearances, quite a few MVPs on that list. Just a a smattering of well-known sports names who have all invested in NRG Esports. And NRG Esports, NRG Esports isn't even a top 12 most valuable esports organization. You know, they they have games, they're they're popular, they have a team in the Overwatch League, the San Francisco Shock. But that just shows sort of where esports is headed. Like you can have money from all these different people and still not even crack the, tw- the top 12. Uh, they also have money from Jennifer Lopez and EDM artist Tiesto. Just to, just to round out that investment portfolio and show how many big names have really have really invested there and the founding of it came from traditional sports money the two co-founders andy miller and mark maestrov are also minority partners in ownership of the sacramento kings and so is shaquille o'neal he's also a minority partner in the kings under their the majority stake of vivek ranadive god i hope i didn't butcher his name uh sorry kings fans But basically, that's just sort of where esports is going. You have these traditional sports owners who are eager to get in, and then they help build the bridge to the athletes and bring them over as well. Sometimes you have the athletes, though, building the bridge. That's the case for Rick Fox and also for Roger Saffold. We've been very NBA-heavy to this point, but that's for good reason. The NBA has just invested a, a metric ton of money into the esports industry. But there are athletes from soccer, uh, from MLB, and from football who have all invested in esports. And Roger Saffold, the starting guard for the Los Angeles Rams in the last Super Bowl, is a great example of a football player who has gone all in on esports. So the Rams didn't didn't do too well in the Super Bowl. It, I'm a Rams fan, and it still hurts me to think about but regardless of that and my crushed Rams fandom, the focus is still on Saffold Esports Organization, which is called Rise Nation. So Rise Nation was kind of touch and go for a second. In 2018, they were really, really talented in Call of Duty. They are sort of a one-trick pony at the time, but their Call of Duty roster was one of the best in the biz. They started the 2018 season, they went 13-1, they went to Call of Duty World League Atlanta, a major tournament on the circuit, ran through competition, won the major. Uh, they faltered a little bit after that. That was in World War II. So each Call of Duty season has, they play in a different game. And now we're in Black Ops 4. But the team, it seemed like it just sort of ran out of money. Uh, Saffold is... A starting guard has has some money, but he's not certainly doesn't have that old sports money. He doesn't have Michael Jordan money, Magic Johnson money, even Steph Curry money. Uh, so he definitely didn't have the same initiative as some of these other organizations we've talked about. But Rise Station's coming back, which is extremely exciting. They, like I said, very touch and go. They let their whole Call of Duty team go, and when you're a one trick pony and you lose your your one pony, or your one trick, you forget your one trick, you're in trouble. 
the website went dead, wasn't being updated. The Twitter account wasn't tweeting. And I was like, oh, we're, we're awaiting the announcement of Rise Nation has disbanded. But actually, on a April 8th, just two days before I'm recording this podcast, they revamped and they took to Twitter. They released a new website. They are competing in four four games right now. Uh, no longer Call of Duty, but they're competing in Rainbow Six Siege, which is an up-and-coming first-person shooter from Ubisoft. And they are competing in Gears of War, another first-person shooter. Uh, two definitely smaller esports, you know, compared to the LCSs, the Overwatch Leagues of the World. Like, these are not, even the Call of Duty World League, these are not to the same level, but they are solid esports. And they're also competing in Fortnite and in Street Fighter. So everybody is competing in Fortnite right now because the Fortnite World Cup is open invitational. So any unsigned half-decent Fortnite player is being signed by an organization just to see if they cash in on the... There's 40 million in prizes that's going to be awarded for competitive Fortnite events between now and July. So everybody has a Fortnite team. They have a couple players because it's open invitational. You don't have to do anything on an organization side. You just sponsor players. You pay them a salary. And if they win, they kick back. So it's an easy... (laughs) easy arrangement to make right now Um, but if they do win which would be awesome for the organization they could then kick that money over the gears of war team the rainbow six siege teams teams that aren't being funded as much by prize pool Um, so that that would be that'd be awesome that's why they're in fortnite right now but it's just really really cool to see you know in an esports organization there's plenty Plenty of esports organizations that existed at one point and are no more. And there's new ones popping up every day. Uh, It's still seen as something attainable. Like you wouldn't try and start a traditional sports franchise. But if you're an aggressive 24-year-old, you can try and start an esports organization. You probably won't be very successful. It requires a lot of money, a lot more capital than most people have. But... It, so when you see an organization that's faltering like that, the next step is usually, oh, they're gone. Uh, but Rise Nation didn't leave. They they took a step back. They reformed their finances. And Roger Saffold's team is back. They have a beautiful new website. They're active with their Rainbow Six Siege team. And they're going to try and, you know, do something similar to what they did at Call of Duty, which was come from... A pretty unknown team and work their way up to be one of the best and now they'll try and do that in Rainbow Six Siege a game that looks like it's going to continue building in popularity as well so eventually I have to wrap this up and at the end I'm going to do a, a sort of a quick hit and if you listen to the esports minute I just jammed through a bunch of different names who are invested in esports and this one I want to give a little more context behind these organizations what they're invested in what games they compete in this is a little bit longer winded. It's slower than normal esports minute format. But I do want to highlight one other significant investment round, and that is a Bay Area trio Steph Curry, Andre Iguodala, and Steve Young. All three won multiple championships for the Golden State Warriors for the first two, and, Steve Young, and the San Francisco 49ers for Steve Young. 
They were also all part of the same $37 million investment round in Swift. And Swift is the parent company of Team Solo Mid, which is the second most valuable esports organization at $250 million. It only trails Team Liquid and Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson's Team Liquid. So you have a little bit of a, an NBA rivalry at the top. And in that $37 million investment round, it was a venture capital firm that contributed $25 million. And that's a common theme with massive investment rounds. You'll notice when news comes out, it's these play, these people all invested in this industry. And I know I'm doing this right now with this podcast. The irony is not lost on me. But then you dig through the investment round and it's like $25 million comes from a private equity investment firm you've never heard of. And then these three big names would have $12 million left to split behind them, between them, which isn't. Like, that's not chump change, obviously, but it is, you know, there could be other people part of that. You don't, you don't like, Iguodala, Curry, and Young may have only invested $5 million in this round. But that's not the that's not the headline. The headline is Steph Curry and Andre Ndala, part of a $37 million investment round. So definitely trying to explain the actual numbers, but they're not, they're not available usually. This was a rare case where you could see how much the leading person invested or the leading firm, I should say, invested. And of course, it's $25 million out of a $37 million round. So when you see news like that, just remember, take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. Yes, these people are invested, but the headlines are designed in a way and they're brought on in a way to have people talk about them because it, people love to talk about the traditional sports athletes who invest in esports. But, you know, it's a... You got to dig through because there's all this old money that's hidden under the surface. They don't care about their name being, they want these athletes to be the headline, but they're the ones who have the biggest piece of the pie when it's all said and done. But anyways, little old sports money, old money rant over. Uh, this is a really cool thing for Swift because it gave that, that them that injection of capital and it brings on three people who have not invested in esports or gaming previously. And it's always great to sort of bring new people in. You bring the big name in. And it does help communicate to the mainstream fan. Hey, Steph Curry's invested in this company. It's like, oh, really? Cool. Steve Young? Like, Steve Young, that'll attract like an old an old sports guy who's dubious about esports. Like, yeah, Steve Young invests in this company. Really? Huh. Cool. But anyways, that's why they do that. It's also interesting the location of this. The Bay Area is such a hotbed for Silicon Valley mainly, but just for tech in general. And all three guys are Bay Area stars. And when you when you think about this, and then we've already talked about another Bay Area player in Kevin Durant. And when you look at Kevin Durant coming over from Oklahoma City, everybody examined it from a basketball standpoint. Oh, you joined a team with 73 wins. You're not... You're a snake. You, you're screwing up the NBA. And the competitive balance in the NBA was not great. But he's been vocal about saying, you know, I wanted to meet with industry leaders. I wanted to start building a business empire. And they weren't in Oklahoma City. They're in the Bay Area. It just so happened it was also an ideal basketball situation. And I've got to light the world on fire. But that was one of the reasons why I did it. And I believe him. 
because he has invested in so many companies. And it's hard to do that on a trout. Like, you fly into the Bay Area, you have two days. So you're gonna, how are you going to meet with people? But if you're living there, you have the off-season, you have off days, you have longer stretches of time, you can get lunch with people, and you can figure out where you want your money to go. And that's incredibly important. He just also happened to ruin the competitive balance of the NBA for four years. But he's focused on his second career. I talked about this a little bit earlier. You know, we, we're seeing people in their different stages of this. Magic was the first. He really just made tons of investments. He built, boosted up the LA business scene after he left the league. And he was rewarded. He made boatloads of money. And so when Jordan left about 10 years later, he already had an absurdly popular sneaker. He already had a very lucrative deal with um, with Nike, obviously, with Nike and the Jordan brand. And then he started investing. He started building that portfolio up. He bought an NBA franchise. Uh, now he has a net worth of $1.9 billion. billion. And now we're seeing it with LeBron, who is definitely the the move to the Lakers was that moment for him when he transitions into a second career. Because now he's a business mogul. He's created Shut Up and Dribble, which is a basketball documentary and is incredibly impactful and really well done. But he, you know, you have the ability to do that. Cleveland, it's hard to get a documentary made, like a four-part documentary series. LA, that's where that happens. That's where you have the best videographers. You have the best production staff. And that's why he's doing that. And now we're seeing people like Durant and Curry who just have invested and invested and invested and diversifying it, are entering every single tech company they can, and they're investing in esports, which is, you know, a great sign for esports that they are considered one of those those up-and-coming areas where it's a good place if you have money and you want it to be quick gro- or you want it to be growth but not stable growth you want quick growth you want tech you want something that happens quick that's esports right now that's where the money is going that's where the old sports money is going it's where the new sports money is going it's where tech money is going it's where venture capitalist money is going and it's where athletes money is going so that was those are the main ones i wanted to highlight i do want to just run through a couple interesting people who have invested in esports as well. Uh, Gerard Pique from Barcelona is the leader of their Pro Evolution soccer team. So that's a competitor to FIFA in virtual soccer. Yao Ming is an investor in Edward Gaming, one of the top League of Legends teams and other games over in China. Um, Jonas Yurebko uh, bought Renegades, Back in 2016, he was also at the Golden State Warriors at that time. Another example of just being what being in the Bay Area can do for somebody, what, what they're exposed to, what investments they end up making. Uh, Jared Jeffries is the president of Echo Fox. Again, another testament to Rick Fox explaining and bringing over people from the basketball world. Jeffries was a sort of a journeyman NBA player for... Oh, I don't know. At least ten seasons, probably ten to fifteen seasons. And then he was uh, he was doing basketball operations for the Nuggets, I believe, and and Rick poached him and brought him over to be president of Echo Fox. 
So you have these athletes all over the place. I know I'm forgetting other ones. Those were some of the ones I wanted to highlight. At the end here, you can go find these lists. And, you know, a lot of lists will have the same people on them. They'll have Jordan. They'll have Rick Fox. They'll usually have Roger Saffold. Uh, but you almost every single list, I'll open it up and be like, oh, really? That's something I didn't hear about. Some are also just like carbon copies of the energy investor board. So <laughs> be prepared to <laughs> go down a list and it's just Shaquille O'Neal, Alex Rodriguez, and it's just NRG, NRG, Michael Strahan, NRG, Marshawn Lynch, NRG. So that, that can get a little dull to read. And that's why I tried to group some players together based on their investment firm. So it's not just, oh, here's this name and they're invested in NRG. Uh, here's Steph Curry, invested in Swift. Here's Andre Iguodala, invested in Swift. So try to do, group it a little bit more by investment not just by name. But that's really all I have for this eSports Minute, this feature presentation of the eSports Minute. Obviously a much different format than our traditional quick hits, news roundups. But I hope you listened and I hope you enjoyed and learned something new about the eSports industry, whether it's the money coming in, the different athletes who have been invested, what eSports... They're invested in what esports they've made a focus on. And just really, the main thing I want to hit, the main thing I want to leave you on is just the amount of money entering into esports. You know, investment rounds of 25 to 50 million are pretty common. They happen about, in an esports organization specifically, they happen about once a, once a month. You see like these staggering numbers come in. And the one most recently, the one that happened this morning was a $20 million buy by the 76ers of Clutch Gaming. I talked about that earlier. So that's just, you know, the amount of money happening in esports right now is insane. And if you have millions to invest, I'm thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate that. And also get into esports. I've got some ideas for for where you can get that money into. Um, But thank you for listening. This was the Esports Minute by the Esports Network. I'm your host, Mitch Reams. Be sure to check out more content on esportsnetwork.com and check out more of these feature stories. I do two of these feature stories a week and usually it's not me just droning on. I try and find interviews. I've got an interview coming up later this week with an esports doctor who has partnered with Mavericks Gaming, the Dallas Mavericks NBA 2K League team. Uh, about what they need to be doing to improve their bodies and the health concerns that can be associated with esports. So that interview will be coming on Friday and should be published that afternoon. So look forward to that. I've done previous interviews with Christian Bishop, the World Showdown of Esports Commissioner, and I've covered other topics like some top women in esports and why sports simulations have struggled to work as esports, but they are still trying. So that's all for this podcast. Again, I know I say it, but I really appreciate you listening. Thanks for taking the time out of your day, and I hope you learned something.